Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you've made an effort and a decision to join this podcast. Of course, uh, I am the Recovery Guy, and this is The Fix. You know, it's so important that we fix that which is broken. You know, so often in life, we become so fragmented in our choices that we become blinded to the fact that we can become whole. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes we become whole when we decide not to be broken anymore. Sometimes it's, it's almost instant uh, transformational. Sometimes over time to really get finite in how whole we become, is part of the journey, and I am so glad that our recovery is a journey, not a destination, because I've said it before, I say it again, I never want to be done with this journey. I want to wake up every day with the opportunity to get better and the knowledge that I can, providing I'm willing to take some steps in that direction. Uh, you know, as a result of that, I am well. I have over 36 years of personal recovery, and I tell that to encourage you. I'm continually encouraged. I'm encouraged as I was when I had 1,000 days and 10,000 days and so on. Today, I think it happens to be 13,289, but it is today. That is what I can lay claim to. So no matter where you're at in the course of your recovery journey, no matter what that recovery is from, alcohol, drugs, any type of behavior that has sidelined you from living and allowed you to become broken, giving up the opportunity or the notion that you would ever become whole, let's set that aside. Let's take our brokenness and use it as a starting point, right? I've never seen a puzzle. I never want to do a puzzle that came assembled. We call that a picture, right? I will usually get a puzzle of 500, 1,000, 3,000 pieces in a box, and it has a picture of what, when all the pieces are put together, what that puzzle is supposed to look like. And then I put those pieces out and I do the corners. Some people like to do the middle. Some people like to do the corners. Some people like to do the borders. But piece by piece by piece, we assemble that puzzle to resemble the picture that we want it to resemble. And that is called recovery. I hope you are on this journey. Hey, you can catch my podcast at recoveryguide.org, where you can also catch all of my blogs, uh, especially the monthly uh, contribution by Susie, my dear friend in Al-Anon. Uh, Susie's been at this a little bit more than six years now. What a great journey she has had as the leader for her family uh, with her and her teenagers uh, in response to her addict's 
uh, subsequent refusal to get well and enter into his own recovery path. That did not prevent Susie from going on her journey and going from a state of brokenness to a state of being whole, and that she surely is today. So go to recoveryguy.org for podcasts and blogs. Uh, you can go to Recovery Guy Podcast on major podcast channels, and you can also find me uh, now on YouTube, Real Recovery Guy. And I've got, I think, 17 or 18 videos that uh, Jason Kramer and I had put together a few years ago. You can still catch those and all of my podcasts as well. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, recovery underscore guy. Follow me. Find out what I'm doing in my personal life as well so you can see the totality of what my recovery looks like. Hey, uh, some time ago, actually, when I was back in college, I heard of this group called Cedar House. And to this day, I went to school back in the early 90s. And to this day, Cedar House is still making a difference in their community and in the life of men and women who enter into recovery. And my friend there, Melissa, is the social media manager there. And Melissa will will post things on Instagram from time to time. Matter of fact, you'll probably want to follow them. It is Cedar House Life Change Center. So at Cedar House, C-E-D-A-R-H-O-U-S-E-L-I-F-E-C-H-A-G-E-C-E-N-T-R. Cedar House Life Chain Center on Instagram. Um, support them, encourage them, as I'm sure they will encourage you. Anyway, Melissa uh, will periodically post some really pretty cool things. And she did this thing called Addiction versus Recovery. And there's two mindsets of how we used to be in our addictive state and how we ought to be as we walk recovery. Now, addiction is one of those interesting things when you talk about recovery. Uh, I have many friends who are sober in different areas, whether it's pornography, whether it's gambling, whether it's overeating. In my case, it's all of the above, including alcohol and drugs. There's a difference between being sober and living a life of recovery or sobriety. So today's podcast is entitled A Different Way to Live. And, and in reality, one of the most important things any of us can ever understand about substance abuse, addiction, behavioral destruction is the amount of selfishness and self-centeredness that is at the core of the addiction. One of the reasons so many people stay in addiction is not because they enjoy the negativity. Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, um, that it is not that I wanted to drink or engage in a negative behavior. It is that I did not know how to live otherwise. I convinced myself that I was doomed that that type of life and there was nothing anyone, especially me, could do about it. There was a negative trigger in me that told me I was not going to measure up. That feeling created a great deal of pain in me and my distraction or discomfort or uh, comfort from the pain was my addiction. Uh, and it was substances, it was negative behavior that obviously made up that addiction at large. Now, recovery is a different way to live. Again, recovery is not merely the absence of a substance. It's how we live 
while we do not engage in that substance and or behavior. Uh, obviously, to have that different way to live, we must cease, once again, from that negative behavior. However, that is the short term. Learning how to live a new way of life one day at a time is the long-term recovery that we discover along the way. And that is what this podcast today is going to be all about, a different way to live. And Melissa came up with some pretty cool things, compare and contrast, kind of like Proverbs in the Bible. Uh, and so we're going to look at those today and just sort of describe some of the mentality here. And again, this is a cross section. This is not just about a person who drinks or uses any type of negative behavior that we are addicted to, that we continually go through to day in and day out as our go-to behavior. Remember, alcohol, drugs, gambling, all of those other types of behavior and substance abuse addictions, they are a response to the problem. They are not the problem. They, they create problems because they get in the way, they distract, they, they keep us away from our family, they steal our finances, they end us up in jail, they take our children, all sorts of things. You know, many people can live a particular way and ne never have really negative consequences to them, but when they engage in that other behavior, and that may be okay for them, but for you and me, 100% abstinence in most all cases is the only solution. Once we apply that 100% abstinence then to keep that going for a lifetime for my 36 years, buddies 44 years, my deceased sponsor Jack 44 years, Will at 42, you know, all of the people I know who came before me and who died sober with what is called permanent sobriety, uh, had to adopt this new way of living. We have to find a different way to live. Otherwise, we will revert to that negative behavior. For many of us, it is destruction. For many of us, going back to that compulsive overeating, that bulimia, that anorexia, that gambling, all of those negative behaviors, obviously alcohol and drugs, especially with fentanyl nowadays. Uh, I had a dear friend of mine just lost their son to an overdose. And in my conversation with him, I suspect that his son um, got a hold of something that was laced with fentanyl because of the way he died. And, and it was a tragedy any way he would die. But I think fentanyl was part of that. And we should get the autopsy back soon and figure out what that is. But abstinence, 100% abstinence, 100% of the time, is the way most of us should live, not only because it interrupts our physical sobriety, but it gets in the way of our spiritual, our emotional, and our mental connection, which combined with the physical sobriety is the four areas or the alignment we need to live in. So let's take a look at what Melissa talked about. And instead of addiction versus recovery, We'll call it a positive way to live versus a negative way to live. One of the things in a negative way, as, as I said in my introduction, 
Selfishness and self-centeredness is really the hallmark of most all substance abuse and behavioral addictions because that addiction says it's about me getting what I want when I want it. Everything revolves around me, protecting the supply, protecting the behavior, because without that behavior, again, whether it's behavior straight up uh, or, or attributed to a substance, and that is the negative behavior that adds other behaviors, it is a high degree of selflessness and self-centeredness that says, I know what's going on out there, and I know I'm harming you, but I need to make this about me, and I'm willing to overlook, not see, rationalize, minimize, and deny the negative response I'm getting in order to engage in that behavior. That needs to flip in a different way of living, a different life. It becomes about others, not about self. So we go from it's all about me and what I want to how can I be of help to others? Because folks, that is the great common denominator. I've said it before and I'll say it again, just like I've said that before and I've said that again. You show me a person who doesn't receive and I'll show you a person who does not give or put others first. I love the first tradition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Common, our human welfare should come first. Nothing is more important than you, me, you and me. We call that we. We are more important than me. The great thing about that is when I focus on the we, the me is strengthened. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. There is a natural dependence on me being united with you to make the we. It's transformational. It's a new way of thinking. To, to my old addictive self, I would never think that you may be right because I was in such a self-protective mode. So I need to flip that instead of making it about me and what I want and what's going to make my feel good feel good. I need to engage in a degree of harmony to find out what is the best thing for you and me. Another thing that Melissa points out is lying, cheating, and manipulating to get what I want. Man, I remember that. I, you know, in the program of AA and in the monotheistic religions, it'll talk about having just a, almost a sadistic or such a self-centered mentality that we live the lie so long, we're no longer able to differentiate the true from the false. And that was really true in my life. I remember telling stories in my addiction and I was about two years down the road, three years in sobriety. I'm thinking, did that really happen? And I had to go back. And I told these lies so often that I began to believe them myself. And guess what? In many cases, they never happened whatsoever. But I had self-deluded. I had lived in a fallacy, in a myth, in a lie so long, I was no longer able to differentiate that true from the false. In, in contrast to a different way to live 
is willingness, honesty, and an open-mindedness allows me to get what I need and hopefully what I want. Because when I get what I need, it's what I wanted all along. Do you see the difference lying, cheating, manipulating to get what I want? And I become willing to open myself up. I become honest in my dealings and I become open-minded to listen to the input of others. It allows me to get what I need. And ultimately, that is what I wanted all along. The next thing that Melissa points out is, I can take care of myself. You know, I love the adage that no man is an island unto himself. And very often, in social media especially, and even some meetings that I go to, you'll you'll talk to people who say, I've done this myself. I've done. You know what? The only thing I did by myself was almost die. Everything else that's positive about me requires you and a higher power. So the contrast to that is there is something bigger than me. Sometimes that bigger than me is God as I understand God. Sometimes something bigger than me is a sunrise, it's a sunset, or as my friend Jim, the lucky alcoholic, would say, the tide, very powerful as as the ocean responds to the pull of the lunar force. Sometimes it's in a meeting, whether that be in church or synagogue or mosque or in a 12-step meeting. Somewhere it's within family. There's something bigger than me that's operating a part of me, but independent of me. It is bigger than me that makes me bigger. Once again, I move from the I to something outside of me that essentially is inside of me because it's that power that helps me to grow. Sometimes it comes from a force that I recognize outside of me, but it it, it engages something that has lived inside of me and has been dormant for a long, long time. This next one I love because I talk about it all the time. We rationalize, we minimize, we deny we justify when we're wrong. I'd never met an opportunity to do those things. Well, of course you would do it if you had my life. That's rationalization. Justifying is saying, well, I was in pain. I was feeling badly. So I did this. I did that and the other. Or minimize. It really wasn't as bad as you think it is and deny. I don't know what you're talking about, right? We rationalize, we justify, we minimize, we deny when we are wrong. And in contrast, the recovered side, owning my part, admitting my faults, and trying to grow from them, right? That's what 12 Steps of Recovery is all about. Owning my part. I admitted I was powerless over alcohol and my life had become unmanageable. I, I take an inventory in step four. I admit that inventory in step five. Step six and seven deal with defects of character and shortcomings. And then in steps eight and nine, I admit my faults to my fellows and try to make amends where possible. And of course, in steps 10, 11, and 12 is the life that I live. 
with admitting when I was wrong, seeking a higher power, and then going out to assist others based on that newfound power that I have. The next thing that Melissa discusses, and these are great. I, I, I hope you pay attention and write these down and jot these down for yourself. Or you can find them at, at Cedar House Life Change Center and just download them yourself. Projecting a false image of myself. Wow. That is, that, that is volumes of what I could speak on. But I never wanted anyone to see me as me because when I looked in the mirror, when I had an image of myself, it was a person who was defeated. It was a person who was nothing, who came from nothing, was a nothing, was always going to be a nothing. That was my image. You know, I went to bed until I was 11 years old. So I grew up being called Pisspot. And that's how I thought of myself. My false and negative image kept me in bondage. And I would try to project an image of of something that I thought you wanted me to be because of who I thought I was. One of the great things about recovery is moving from that to saying, I am no better and no less than anyone else. I'm the best possible version of me that I can be today, if I'm honest, and doing my inventory and seeking my higher power and then going out to help others. I'm not better than you, but I'm certainly not any worse. I am, I'm not the person, the negative person I thought I was. I am a new creation. I have the ability to go anywhere and do anything, not because I think I'm better, but because that's what I think I owe myself. I don't have to be better than you to be the best version of me. I've, I've seen it many times and recovery is not a competition. I don't get well because of you. I get well because of me. My relationship with others is certainly a beneficiary of that wellness, but I don't get well as you get worse. I get well based on what I do, not based on what you or you, you do or you don't do. Recovery is not a competition. It's a way of living that demands rigorous honesty from me so I can be open-minded and even learn from you. I become willing to learn from you. I become honest in the areas I need to learn and I need to be open-minded to accept what you are trying to bring to me so I can become a better person in order to help others become better themselves. The last one that Melissa talks about is to Hide and deny my fears so as not to appear weak. Wow. This is so true. You know, I was afraid of admitting I was powerless. One of the reasons that we have to do step one to perfection is step one, without doing it to perfection, I will never do the other steps. I would never acknowledge my true fear and limitations and asking for help. If I've never hit bottom, how can I ever expect to go up, right? I hit a relative bottom, a subjective bottom that tells me I must admit my current condition. The other day, 
one of the Facebook groups I follow, one of the people in their recovery, and I wish them well, but they said they are currently an addict. Well, from where I come from, we're always an addict. That's why I can never safely have anything to do with alcohol or drugs in terms of consumption ever again. Because I know, what did they say? Um, you know, one is not enough and a thousand is too many or whatever they say. And, uh, you know, I have a mental obsession coupled with the physical allergy. When I do one, I might as well do everything. Because it is that first drink, that is first drug that gets me drunk, that gets me high. Because once that hits, Katie barred the door. And I have to admit to my innermost self that I am an alcoholic, that I am an addict. This is the first step in recovery. So I have to admit weakness. I have to admit in step one that I am powerless. Because that power that I thought I had was killing me. If it was really power, why was I dying? If it was really power, why did I have two failed marriages? If it was really power, why would I walk out on my children? Why would family members no longer want to be with me? Why would I lose job after job after job after job? It's only when I admitted that weakness, which I said was power, and I walked through the steps of recovery, then I get to step 11 or whatever program you're involved with, there will be a restoration of power, but of true power. That acknowledging my fears that I can't do it, but we can And I have a limitation because I am only me. I can't do this myself. And I ask you for help. Thank God there were rooms of recovery. Thank God when I went to the Nevada Treatment Center, they introduced me to a 12-step group that when I got there, they said, look, if you're willing to learn, we're willing to share. We're going to share with you anyway. But the fact that you're willing to learn is going to help you along your way. They were going to be fine with or without my recovery. It was me that needed to learn how to submit myself to God and to others and admit that I was powerless and my life had become unmanageable in order for me to gain power and a sense of manageability in my life. It was a different way to live. And I hope you find that different way to live. So just to recap, in a different way of living, it's all about me and what I want. I go then to how can I be of help to others? Lying, cheating, and manipulating to get what I want transforms into a willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness that allows me to get what I need. And ultimately, that is what I want. The next one is I can take care of myself, which is total selfish and self-centered. Anytime I say, I don't need you, beware, because I'm about to fall. Because the reality is there is something bigger than me. You are bigger than me. We is bigger than me. The group is bigger than me. My higher power is bigger than me. The sunset, the sunrise, a 300-year-old oak tree or redwood is bigger than me. Next, when I rationalize, deny, justify, and minimize when I'm wrong. That is an indication that I don't know how to live. The other part of that, the ownership of that is owning my part, admitting my faults and trying to grow from them because they are there. And as an indication that I need to grow, all I need to look at is my inventory step. 
The next one is projecting a false image of myself. I did not want you to see me. Therefore, I needed you to see who I thought you wanted me to be. In other words, I'm no better and no less than anyone else. I'm exactly the way God intended me to be providing. I'm working on ways of improving my self-image for me not to be better than you because I don't need to be better than you to be the best version of me. Finally, to hide and deny my fears so as not to appear weak. The cross, the the other version of that is acknowledging my fears and limitations and asking for help. Steps one, two, and three. I can't. He can. And number three, I think I'll let him. Thank you so much, Melissa from uh, from Cedar House for putting this on your Instagram page. I've learned so much from it. I hope you enjoyed this as well. There's so much that we have to go through. Let's go through it together. It's a lot more enjoyable when we go through this life together than trying to overcome the obstacles that are bigger than me without you. Go check me out again, recoveryguy.org, the major podcast channels, Recovery Guy Podcast, YouTube, Real Recovery Guy, and of course on Instagram, recovery underscore guy. My name is Robert. I'm the recovery guy. And as always, we got broken apart, but we get whole together. Have a great day. <music>